This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, episode 15. It's kind of time where we stop with all of the fighting and bickering and whatever you want to call it about exercises and this and that and start talking about principles and results and performance and things that we can do to make sure that we're doing better for the people we work for, and that's the athlete. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, NSCA Head Strength and Conditioning Coach Scott Caulfield, and with me today, Head Strength and Conditioning Coach for Basketball at University of Richmond. He's also the Head Strength Coach for Nova Aquatics, and the President CEO do it all of Central Virginia Sports Performance, Coach Jay DeMeo. Jay, thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me, man. And we are here at NSCA, 40th anniversary of the National Conference. Huge crowd. You're speaking tomorrow. How's it been for you so far? Awesome. You know, and you, know, you, you when you run an event, you have some sort of an idea of what's going on with the people who are running the events, mind, life, heart, lack of sleep pain in your eyes, whatever you may want to call it. Uh, but when you run one that would be uh, such a distant relative, it'd be like the one you only see at every fifth family reunion when it comes to size. I can only imagine like uh, all the work you guys put in and how like really like challenging it is to put on something of such a like people all over the world and there's right. thousands of people here and, and shoot, you got half of a hotel and casino in Vegas. Like, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, it's just really, just absolutely mind-blowing to get to be a chance, you know, to get to have a chance to be part of it. And uh, I thank you guys for all your work and everything you're doing. And I can't believe at 8.30 tomorrow morning I'm going to have to stand in front of a right. group of people that big right. and talk Potentially about a thousand people, yeah. yeah. No, no, we appreciate it. It is, it's a lot of moving parts. And uh, we have just so many people behind the scenes. Like some of us get a little bit more pushed to the front than others. And, but there's so many of the NSCA staff that are, you know, that do all the hard work, like, I, you know, getting people checked in, making sure all 2000 people are able to register and get their right shirt size and like all that stuff. And those guys are the ones that make us all look good. So we, we are very thankful to have a staff like that, but yeah, you talked about your, uh, you know, the event that you do, but why don't you kind of talk about that a little more? Tell us like, you know, how did that come to fruition and why did you start it and how it's grown? Cause I know that it's grown tremendously and it's, it's very well regarded, highly respected, you know, from the strength and conditioning community. Well, thanks man. Yeah. It actually, oddly enough, um, started because Charles Stevenson, who used to be at NC State, I think he's still at Utah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he runs that basketball one out here now. Yeah. I actually think he does it in Vegas now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he started it in North Carolina and when he was at NC State. And before he was starting it, I was thinking about doing the same thing. So talk about whether or not you should do something like this, but I hunted down every Division One strength coach's email address, sent out a mass email. I was like, would you guys be interested in a basketball-only conference? And, uh, you know, he hits me back and he's like, yeah, I'm so interested. Is it, I actually putting it together. <laughs> you know, would you mind helping? And you know, I, I did a little, you know, for Charles. I mean, Charles obviously has done 99.99% of the leg work and built a fantastic event. And 
he came back and it was fantastic. You know, like the first one he put on uh, was absolutely a stellar weekend. And Brandon Horgan, who was my director at the time, ripped me. I mean, I got ripped and I can't thank me enough for it because he ripped me because I helped Charles put on a great event and we had one that was garbage. <laughs> it was just like, it wasn't garbage, but it was basically like just us doing the old, like, come to Richmond for the day, yeah. bring in local people. He's like, you got people, you know, helped them bring all these people from all over the country. And it was top flight. Look at what you do for us. I was like, all right, I'll show you. Yeah. So we put together this huge event. It was like two and a half days. Oh, wow. It was like, this was like when the Parisi warm-up method was just starting. Yeah. We had Martin Rudy coming in. We had the whole diesel crew coming in. We had Buddy, Bunderchuk, Yesis, uh, Zach Evanash, like all these people lined up. Like this was 2010, I think. So this is like at the height of like Elite FTS yeah, and all yeah. this stuff. And... I had like five people sign up four weeks out <laughs> yeah. or four days out. So I had to cut it and I cried literally <laughs> yeah. when I like had to cancel it and uh, step back, really got close with Joseph Johnson of Ultimate Athlete Concepts, who's been a driving force behind it. And, and the rest has been history, you know, just basically following the, the selfish parameter at first of saying, who are the people that I want to learn from? And hunting them down and bringing them in and then asking them who they wanted to learn from. Because if, you know, Cal Dietz is a guy that I need to bring in because he's freaking wicked smart and has always got something new. I mean, shoot, he had me laying down in the yeah, middle yeah. of the uh, vendor center today uh, doing the RPR on my chest and talking about how I can't breathe and this and that. And I'm like, well, if I couldn't breathe, I'd be dead. But, you know, and it's just sitting there. Yeah. Cal, who do you want to learn from? And he's like, well, you know, Landon Evans is really smart. Jimmy Snyder's really smart. Yeah. And, you know, Landon was like Hank Krizhenhoff and, and all these people. So it's it's just basically been the waterfall that's brought us to who we have this year. Yeah, and you guys do a lot of different things, too. I mean, you mentioned Yosef and Ultimate Athlete Concepts, which has been a great connection for me as well. But what you've got a podcast. You guys produce your videos after the fact, right, so people can – uh, so can you watch the your clinic online as well mm -hmm. if you don't make it to yes. the event? Yeah. yeah. You do Facebook Live stuff. Talk a little bit about all those other things you're getting into. Yeah. So the podcast is fun. That's really just kind of like just a, a, a sidestep of the whole idea of the seminar where we're just trying to continue to bring people in um, and just talk training. Because with all of these things now where it's grown full circle, you know, to the point where last year we had 49 questions asked in the room for seven different talks. So when you, when you have these people in there and they're willing to question what's being talked about, it led to it being, when we all stay on campus, it led to it being this massive, just as, as Bob Alejo called it, like a 300 person round table which was unbelievable. And that's really where the podcast got its idea from, was just to continue and drive conversations and bring people out in the open, maybe not the best word, but that's kind of the only way I can think to say it, that, that some people may not, as strength coaches, be as aware of. Yeah. 
um, super smart people that do like amazing things that are world-class coaches and practitioners or PhDs or whatever they may be and talk about things that, you know, are, are important that people need to look at and just to increase more discussion. Um, we try to do stuff on Facebook Live like we've been doing here. We, we did our first talk and we'll, we'll do another one later. Um, and those are always fun but petrifying yeah, because... Yeah. You know, these little Steve Job devices that run our lives now, you know, you could be in the middle of the best conversation ever and the thing craps out and all of a sudden you're like, no! Or, you know, the crazy part of doing things live is, what if somebody says something you really don't want them to say? Um, but it's good, man, and that's fun, you know, and then with the book, too, that we put out with the manual, just another thing, again, to just try to drive conversation. I think that that's we're to a point now in 2017 where this organization has been around for 40 years. So for 40 years, we've been strengthening conditioning coaches in one way or another. It, it's kind of time where we stop with all of the fighting and bickering and whatever you want to call it about exercise and this and that and start talking about principles and results and performance and things that we can do to make sure that we're doing better for the people we work for. And that's the athlete. And, you know, going from B calling me out and being the driving force behind it to me being selfish to be a better coach to now having this kind of secondary family, if you want to call it that, of people that have been highly involved, you know, the Yosefs, the Cals, um, the Carl Valleys, the Landon Evanses, the Hanks, the Natalias, you know, all these people um, that not only drive my decisions and my direction with the company and with, with training, but also are the leaders in these discussions and the people that make me ask better questions and try to find better answers. And that's what we really want, you know, from all of those projects is just for for all of us to be able to do things like this, right. you know, just sit and talk yeah. or like what we just did at lunch with those guys, you know, sit and talk and, and, and even more so sit and listen yeah. and then actually be able to understand like what's going on, yeah. you know, cause I, you know, a lot of people would look and, and say, well, Keenan Robinson only works with swimmers. Keenan Robinson works with the most decorated Olympian yeah. of all time. Yeah. And, I'm as guilty of this as anybody of being like, you know, I mean, Wunderchuk is, people would argue, is the greatest coach of all time. But we also tend to look at people differently because they're American. Sure. And we have someone in this building right now who, in my opinion, had a significant role in the most impressive athletic feats in our lifetime. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who don't know who he is. Right. right. Or what he's about let alone how smart he is. I mean, he's the most humble guy you'll ever meet in your yeah, life. Yeah. So, you know, bringing people together like that, it's, that's really cool to me and it's a lot of fun. And yeah. It's, it's been an interesting voyage. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, all that stuff too just helps drive the profession forward. It's more exposure to different people and different learn, you know, training methods and styles, but also, uh, 
different ways people learn too through all those different methods. So I got the opportunity to um, listen to you speak in April when we were in Missouri. We we're at the state clinic. Um, I thought your presentation was cool. I want to talk a few things because I think there's a lot in that that you talked about that uh, a lot of the coaches that are listening to this podcast would get a lot out of. Um, first, probably, you know, I think in that one you really kind of talk about what the old Jay, the, the young coach Jay would have done in certain circumstances and now what you've kind of learned. So maybe talk a little bit about that how that evolution has become to you know what you what you feel like you think more deeply about or really things that you realize weren't worth fighting for yeah well i think that it's really funny because you know the older you get the the more you're you're able to look back and just kind of shake your head at, at how you were We have a very unique situation at the institution that I work at. I work with very unique athletes. I've never been closer with a team than I am with, with my men's basketball team. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, you know way too much and about the stuff you don't know, and you probably know way too little about the stuff that you should. Mm -hmm. But... With these guys, the one thing that I've learned is that it's all about them understanding what the principles of training really are. Once they understand what your principles are, the more autonomy that you give them, the more they're willing to work and buy in, and the better results we're really seeing. Uh, and I would even go to say, like, the results don't even have to be measurable. And this is coming from, like, the monitoring nerd. Like, <laughs> the results don't need to be measurable. Like, we haven't taken a vertical. We haven't hit a single. We haven't run a 10 or a 20 or a 50 or anything. But every single one of those guys right now would say, shoot Chris Mooney. This is the best offseason we've ever had. Because they're completely invested. Now, we still have our things that they have to get through. There's, there's still the boxes that they have to check to move forward. But when they get to certain situations, and I'm going to talk about this extensively tomorrow, I have absolutely no problem with them saying, Jay, I don't want to deadlift. I'd rather try bar deadlift or sumo deadlift. Because at the end of the day, who cares? Like, until you can show me any sort of research that says, if you can deadlift X percent of body weight, you're going to go to the NBA, right. then who cares? It's a general exercise. Keep getting stronger at it until you get stuck. Yeah. Because eventually when they get stuck, when I'm stuck and I'm, you know, some 18 to 22-year-old college athlete who's probably not the greatest when it comes to understanding about exercise, <laughs> they're like, Scott, that's getting really heavy, man. I don't know what I should do. What should I do next? It's like, well, what do you think about this? That's good. Or even more, like, what if you ask them, well, well, what's working? What's showing up on the court? You know, what What do you do in this workout? And you're like, this is stupid. <laughs> like, th 
this is just dumb. Like, this has no carryover, or you just hate it, or whatever. Right. Because whatever that is, for the most part, is gone. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. And it's like, what can I do better for you? Like, it's not just, like, training-wise, but, like, in anything. Like, what can we do better for you, for you to get what you need out of the time we're together? And, you know, right now, it's every single one of our returners, all nine of them, started with the same program. Zero of them are doing the same thing. And we're in week seven of our off-season now. And it's a lot of that has been driven based on those three questions and their selection of exercise. And it's it's really easy, but it's it was petrifying. And it really took me, like, fighting with a kid until I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm done. I can't deal with you. I you're you're too good of a player for me to fight with you over this. What do you want? What do you want? And he's like, I just need to feel good. Blah, 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 blah. All right, whatever. So our in-season program was based on 100 push-ups. We finished third in the Atlantic 10, the fifth or sixth best conference in the country, where we did 100 push-ups twice a week. Different push-ups if we lost. If we won, we did the same workout. <laughs> Because why? Why would you change it, right? Because they believed in it. Yeah, yeah. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they literally, they were like, this is the greatest thing ever. Right. And I'm like, right. okay. Yeah. And then it's like, we just started talking about stuff and just started prying in. And they're like, they they, they don't know how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. We all know that. Yeah. But with this group and these young people now, I feel like because of the phone and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat, they're so used to getting everything right away and being able to manipulate the fake environment that they want to display that they live in, that they need to have that say over things. So they need to be like, you've seen short circuit. Yeah. So they need to be like Johnny number five, like both ways. Yeah. They need to get more input from you as a coach because they need to understand what's going on. Yeah. But they also need to provide it because if they don't feel like it's exactly what they need or you can't get them to understand that it's exactly what they want, and I'm not saying sell it to them, like they need to actually understand, then you're not going to win that workout. And that's what we've been really good with is allowing them to question, to talk about things, and then us taking the step back and really answering those questions to them and ourselves. Yeah. And it's been, uh, it's been really neat. I'm actually going to show like, like the extreme change tomorrow, but I could show like eight different workouts. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, again, like a couple of them might only be like two exercises yeah. and, it, and some of it, like people are going to look at it and they're going to be like, dude, that exercise order is completely jacked up. <laughs> and it's like, you're right. Yeah. But the guy in question that I'm showing yesterday, showing tomorrow he was like, I feel like I should squat before I do any of my jumping exercises. Okay, well, this is why people say otherwise. Like, yeah, you know what? I just think it'll be better for me to do that. <laughs> if he's going to try harder at it, right. like, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. It's going to give you more effort. It, maybe he's going to get more out of it too. Yeah. yeah. But I think if you talk about... Uh, we talk... I've been on this coaching philosophy um, 
bandwagon a little bit and then talking about how your coaching practice, your coaching philosophy has to, you know, emulate your practice. The two have to be linked together. So if you say, well, I believe in empowering athletes, but then you never ever give them an option to choose an exercise or to do something or to say, you know what, I think I should squat before I do the box jump or whatever jump it is. Like, then you're really not, your practice and your philosophy aren't matching up because you're not empowering athletes at all. So, you know, I think that's huge. Uh, And like you said, you're seeing it, you're getting more buy-in from them because of that, Um, which is great. Uh, That's a huge piece of it. Um, You also, I know that you have like, um, you know, progression or kind of a system of advancing athletes. Um, So tell us a little bit about that, especially I think as new coaches come in too, right? Sometimes we may have ideas or thoughts about how they want to train, but then they get thrown into this system or this job and, and they may not have heard of the way that others do things. So I thought that was pretty cool, the way that you guys break it out. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so after we get through, well, the, the first step is actually, in my opinion, the most important, uh, but the one that we probably do the least, and I'll explain that first. So we do a lot of holds and crawls and things like that, and I'm going to show those tomorrow, sort of. Some of them get shown really well. Some of them you'll see exactly why these young men need to do it. Um, but it's, I want to say Dan John said it, and if I got it wrong, I apologize, but you have to own the position, right? So, like, if you want your kids to squat and hit depth or whatever, and we could talk about how important squat depth is for five cases of beer, but if you want them to be able to at least try to do that, and you don't teach them how to be in that bottom position, think that you're asking for problems. Comma, but I do that anyway too. Because there's some times where it's just impossible. Like the field hockey. Those young women come in three weeks. There's no way in camp, two-a-days, 115 degrees, 90% humidity in Richmond, Virginia, after they've been outside, that these girls are going to come in and be able to do this. It's impossible. And then, doing it or during the season is probably a bad idea. Which takes us to step two. <laughs> so the second step, once they pass through being able to do these things for a certain amount of time, which is completely arbitrary. Oh, and let me go back, because if I don't give credit here, I'm a thief. Um, that whole idea came from an episode of the Tim Ferriss Show, where he talked with Coach Somers, who owns Gymnastics Bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he talks about things that match very much in, like, how Dr. Yessis talks about things, about how, like, you know, as little as possible or as little as necessary, blah, 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 all those things. Well, I'm like, "This, this guy makes a lot of sense. You know, but a lot of these people that have these systems... They're great salesmen because they have to be to make money. Well, he comes back and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to buy the system and try it. And I'm a puddle at the end of it. Like, dying. Me and my assistant are just like, my gosh. Like, this is great. 
So we built a lot of this stuff off what he does. Now, back to the second step. The second step, we basically take, we've made one addition to it that I'll talk about tomorrow, so I'm not going to give that away. Um, but then we basically have them check boxes and we go through a progression that we deem to be appropriate to lead them into the actual one by 20. And that progression is as simple as like a goblet squat, a barbell front squat, and then put it on your back and then we'll go. Um, and I know what you're thinking right now. Well, Jay, you just said that not everybody does these exercises. Well, that happens after you get through the initial year. Because you have to understand that the principle behind everything is to get a little better each time. So add five pounds to every lift each workout. And then when you can't add five pounds anymore, just change it. Because remember, what most of these exercises are, are general exercises, right? When we're talking special exercises or special strength training, whether it be with your jumps, uh, no matter how you're doing them, uh, as, as soon as you begin to stagnate those, the athlete needs to know that it's time to get rid of it and move on or add something or take something away or whatever it may be. Once they understand that, then we get into the autonomy. But we look at those exercises that we progress um, we have the midsection abdominal exercises that Dr. Yassis prescribes. We have the squat that I just mentioned. We have a linear progression, as we call it, which is basically off the top of my head, and I'm probably going to mess this up. It's like a goblet split, uh, split squat, a front rack split squat, so that you have to stay taller, stretch yeah. that back leg more, yeah. a rear foot elevated, and then a front rack rear foot elevated, which we may or may not get to. Um, we do that to progress so the student-athletes are ready for Dr. Yassis's lunging special exercises. And I think those help a lot with bounding, too, to be able to open up that back leg and extend. Yeah. Um, and then we do the same laterally, only it goes like dumbbell, barbell, squat, squat, and then lunge. Like in and back so that they're ready for that side lunge with the, with the cords. Um, oh, and we do a hinge. So we will go single leg RDL to RDL to a deadlift, depending on the team. Uh, the swimmers will definitely deadlift. Field hockey will deadlift. Um, the guys may not at the beginning, but we will add it later just because they're freaking tall. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong with that. Probably am. But uh, I'd be more than open to uh, criticism on that thought. When it comes to deadlift and basketball players early. Sure. Once they're strong enough, we do it. Yeah. But. And so I understand what you're talking about when you're saying general exercises and special exercises. If that's new, if someone's listening to this and that's new, where is that coming from? Where can they find out more information and why is that important to them? To um, the differentiation between general and special exercises, there's multiple people that have their own quantifying uh, parameters. The two that are most famous are probably Bonnerchuk and Verkashansky. Verkashansky's theory of dynamic correspondence is the one that we look at the most by we being the people who study together with people under Dr. Yesis uh, and Dr. Verkashansky. Um, and that's basically the right joints being moved at the right speeds by the right muscles based on the right contractions. Um, in accordance to the actual sporting exercise. The two that people look at the most often, uh, awfully performed, 
from Doc or the pawback of the knee drive when it comes to running. Um, but, you know, you can also quantify special strength exercises based upon, you know, things ranging from your velocity-based stuff like Dr. Mann talks about to your extensive versus intensive jumping like Prokoshansky talks about um, to, again, uh, misweighed, is that the word? Wrong-weighted objects mm. like shooting a basketball that's, Five or ten percent heavier, sure. or five or ten percent lighter, like Vukovic or uh, excuse me, Bonnerchuk talks about yeah. with the throwing uh, exercises. Yeah. How about so we talked a few of these guys all have books. Is are there is there any real key must reads in your opinion? You're up and coming. You're gonna be a strength coach. You need to read these two books. These five books. Does it have to be strength coach? It could be anything under the sun. I think you need to be able to read. Well, first, number one right now, uh, it always will be Legacy. Yeah, I have that book right now. It's a great. Yeah. It is my most gifted book. Yeah. Uh, it'll probably always be my most gifted book. So that would be my answer to that on the Tim Ferriss show. Number two right now is in my back. Uh, might be in my room. Is Brett's. Conscious coaching, um, because again, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think, to be totally honest, um, I missed the boat on that for a while, and that's why I came full circle with this. Yeah, is I worried more about the the exercise part, the prescribing yeah. part, yeah. And less about the coaching part. Yeah. Uh, the next book that I would say selfishly I think everyone should read 1 by 20 I think that people should understand what Doc's talking about with that I think everyone should try to read Super Training and if you do it I don't know what the prize will be if you can read that front <laughs> cover to cover yep. <laughs> um, I'll figure it out Thank I've you. tried three times and I'm back in the dugout. Yeah. <laughs> Three strikes on that one. Um, I think branching out into different environments. Uh, oh, goodness. What's it called? The, the book about um, the guys who did Monsters, Inc. George Carvajal sent it to me. It's absolutely fantastic okay. I'll send you the name All I right. can't remember it I'm drawing a blank oh yeah uh, if you Amazon it I'm sure that it's what, what's it that up. group called what is the the Pixar okay yeah yeah um, that's absolutely amazing to me like talking about how they built it and the leadership and all of those things um, is fascinating you know, and, and after that, I think that if you are worried about how you teach exercise, if you haven't... Infinity and Beyond, story of Pixar. Um, Maybe. Might not be yet. Right. It's something ink, I thought. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you, folks. Um, but uh, I, I still think starting strength... What 
you know, everyone has a different opinion of what Coach Ripito has done is and how he acts. But I think that that book, without a doubt, uh, is the best breakdown of how to perform those big exercises. Yeah. So if you were ever in doubt of how you were teaching it, I would put that in there. I don't know if that's five or not, but I'm out. That's plenty. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good. What about what kind of uh, what advice would you have to someone just getting into the profession or just starting their career out right now, or even maybe someone that's as you know far along as yourself? Like, do you have any real key points that you think everybody should know, strength coaches? Um, I think if you're starting, I think the one thing you have to be willing to do is understand that the one thing that a lot of us have done wrong is we don't have the ability to say no. That's a good one. I think a lot of us talk about the, you know, the, the strength coach and we're grinders and, you know, the guy with the shaved head and the beard, which is me, and who's got five cups of coffee in him, which again is me. Um, is working with all these extra teams and doing all this extra stuff and not getting compensated and not doing this or that. Well, if we want it to stop, we have to stop it. So that would probably be my, my, my first piece of advice is be able to say no. Good one. My second piece of advice uh, to a young person Shut up and listen. Because nobody cares. Whatever is wrong or really until you've done something or been in the field, like what you have to say. And there's so many people out there who are so smart that you will completely lose as a possible mentor or friend or someone who can drive your career forward if you interject too often. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just sat at lunch with six other guys and said two sentences. Yeah. One was, all right, guys, we're going live. And two was, thank you for watching. <laughs> um, actually, I said one more thing. I think I brought something up to Buddy, but I don't, because he brought something up that tied into something well, and I, he was on a rant. Yeah. I wanted to make sure he kept going on the rant because there's <laughs> nothing like a Buddy Morris rant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I've been coaching at the same place. This is going to be my 15th school year. And, you know, if I were to sit down with, you know, the people from Australia today this afternoon and, have a chat with them it would not be me chatting yeah you know when we're over in the, the exhibit rooms and Cal's talking about RPR I mean Cal's one of my best friends I'm not talking you know when Daniel Martinez is talking about force plates I'm not talking and it's these are people that are significant players in what we do and how we're moving forward and still you're not uh, the, the rock said it best, right? You know, sometimes you just got to know your role and shut your mouth. Yeah. And there's yeah. some, some rock stars out there. Um, for people who are in my position, 
I would ask yourself what's your why and why are you doing anything that's extra? And why are you sitting here not sleeping to do extra stuff? Why are you actually excited? Like what excites you to keep fighting to move forward and keep fighting to drive, you know, these secondary and tertiary projects that you have um, because you sacrifice a lot for it, you know, and it's not, you, you have to be a certain type of person. And I'm not saying it makes one person better than the other because it, it may actually be the exact opposite. But I'm just saying that if you're not, like if you think putting on an event like what we do is easy or what B-Man did was easy or let alone like how Coach Mack has like, I don't know, like one every other weekend right, right. or the amount of work that you guys have put into this. If you think any of this is easy, let alone you think you're going to make money off this? Yeah. Bro, please. <laughs> like, it ain't going to happen. Like, it's it's years of work to even, like, understand what you're doing. Yeah. So know that, you know, it's there's a lot to it, and you just got to know why you're doing it. You got to know the direction of what, you know, what you're taking it. Otherwise, if you don't, you have an easy way out, and you're going to quit. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. Those are some great tips. What uh, you mentioned, 15 years in the same spot, that's certainly, uh, you know, I don't, I feel like it's not the norm necessarily, right? Especially in this profession, we see a lot of people bounce around. What's been some keys to being able to be in a in the same position, move up the ladder, et cetera, for 15 years at the same spot? Well, the last 13 has been Chris Wooten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it really is that simple. Yeah. You know, he and I have a really great relationship. He really trusts me with the guys. Um, and I think a lot of it has been uh, more so now than ever. Me kind of, again, knowing my role and shutting my mouth. Like, what we do is really important. But what we do does not trump what the sport coach does or what the athletes do. And, and looking at it more as being like a, an all-around um, assistant, making sure what you're doing fits with your head coaches and understanding how they need to actually define what they want so you can measure what they want and show them you're getting better um, has been extremely important. And then, again, the pulse of your team and understanding, you know, what really matters to them and, and making the kids important. Uh, but yeah, that, and I've had some really awesome directors, you know, uh, B was, Brandon Horgan made me, well, first of all, Darren Thomas was one of the greatest people I've ever been around. He was the initial director I, I had, and he's still a, a super friend of mine that I get to see once a year up at Juniata College for Doug nice. Smith's gig. Yeah. Um, and then it was B. You know, and Brandon is... If Brandon's not one of the 10 smartest strength coaches in the country, then I, I would, like... I might just, like, pass out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a freaking genius. Yeah. And he challenged me in so many ways to be a better coach. Uh, Jim Rooney, the same way. 
Dave Kuhn was a great friend, a great mentor, a great leader, was the basketball guy before me. Chris Stewart was nothing but supportive and, and, and had my back in every way, shape, or form. And now Scott Brinks, who's, I, I don't know if I've ever met a better manager of people than the director we have now at Richmond. You know, those guys have all helped, you know, and the last six years having absolute superstar assistants that make me look like I might know something. Um, but, you know, Anthony Carney, Andrew White, uh, Tim Russ-Basin, Matt Tomey, these guys, like, they've made me... They've made me have a home because they built the house. That's nice. You mentioned, you know, mentioning assistance, uh, making you look good. So what are the key, what are key things, what are traits or characteristics you're looking for in an assistant? Oh, this is going to sound really bad, but I need someone that I know and I trust to call me about you. I really do. Um, because, so I work for Nova Aquatics because the assistants, I have are part-time, so I can hire them there, so they work with those kids as well. Uh, and they're also extremely involved in what we're doing with Central Virginia Sport Performance. So the amount of trust that I have to have with that person almost like right away yeah. is like really high. Uh, you know, Anthony came from NC State. You know, if Nate and Bobby didn't call me up, I mean, I don't know. You know, right. it's just like, I hate to say it, but that's just the reality of the game is, you know, it's, it's not always about who you know, it's about what you know, which just kind of comes back to that whole thing. Like, don't be the loudmouth kid, yeah. you know, because then all of a sudden you put someone on a resume and they call, you know, and then there's that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure people tell kids to do this and we just had two assistant positions of this year. Um, but unless someone knows someone and you have like a one or two degree separation to that person, calling and emailing them is probably not your best tactic for a position. I'm sure somewhere along the line in some class in college, they said, as soon as you send your application in, call this person or right, email this right, person. Right, right, right. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you're when there's a job open, if it's even open yeah. and it's posted, that means there's people working for that position that is open. Right. Right. So they're doing double duty. So they're probably not going to get back to you and they probably yeah. don't want to like look at the email. Right. Right. Um, other than that, I want someone who is going to challenge me. I want someone who is going to think differently than me because I want them to hopefully change my point of view on something huh. um, and I want them to bring something that I'm not good at yeah absolutely it's, it's hard because that'll be asking a lot for someone to little yeah. return sure you know because the things that we're going to need them to do are very very high level yeah yeah no and I was just saying that to somebody the other day we were talking about my assistant and I was saying yeah, she likes to do a lot of things that I don't like to do, and she's really good at those things. Like that's the bonus, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, it balances it out. 
welcome. All right. I got some fun uh, kind of go-to questions. People that listen to the podcast are getting used to these and hopefully they like them. At least no one's complained to me that they think they're stupid. So I'm going to keep asking them at least <laughs> uh, about any three people, living dead or fictional characters that you'd like to have dinner or conversation with. Oh, fictional too? Yeah. Oh, man. dude, number one, <laughs> Kaiser Sose. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I want him to come in as verbal kint, <laughs> and then I want to be able to say to him, shut up, Kaiser. Be real with me. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> See, like, I'm a movie nerd, so yeah. I can do, like, yeah. fictional ones all day, as all you right. know. Yeah. Um, Probably Flounder from Animal House. Nice. Because I would just want to know, like, did you know that you were the nerd? <laughs> like, did you realize? Like, did you understand it? Yeah. I mean, like, you ended up being okay at the end, but, like, <laughs> did you really know what was going on? That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and the third one? Oh, good grief. I can only pick one more. Uh, I mean, it'd have to be Joe Dirt. Okay, nice. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because you just like go to In and Out and be like, it'd be great for him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Verbal Kent. It's <laughs> great. <laughs> Joe Dirt, same meal. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Um, how about if you could eliminate any coaching practice, what would you like to see never be able to use, be used again? If you had a magic wand, you could just make it gone. Um, exercise is punishment. And I'm a, I'm a hypocrite for saying it. Um, but there's gotta be something better we can do. Uh, and maybe, maybe, maybe let me take that back. Exercise for punishment outside of you. Meaning like the sport coach has a problem with something, so the strength coach has to handle it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would probably be my big thing. Right. Because one, I don't know if the message really gets across. Other than they're like, I know I messed up and Jay has to be a jerk. Yeah. Um, and two, I think that that puts us in a precarious situation where, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, I, I can see that being where a lot of these health issues that have occurred in our profession maybe stemmed from. Yeah. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. And I think it, it's a great point too, uh, in the context that you put it in, right? Like if we think, talk about it in a sporting context, there's some times when you have to put people under duress in a fatigue state, and if they do it wrong, they might need to be more fatigued. There's not something else that you need them to do. So, like, I think, you know, I, I agree, but I'm, like, in, in the sport coaching setting, like, for time basketball, you know, they might need to rehearse it really, really tired, you know, because they're going to play a game and they're going to have to be in the same situation. But absolutely, if they're just coming to us to bust them off, 100%. Uh, how about if you were this far along in a career that wasn't a strength and conditioning coach, what would you be doing? Oh, man. So my first job was at a convenience store deli grocery in Fairport, New York, 
right across the street from my high school, and I would probably be running that place. Nice. I would work for Mike. Mike's the guy, good, bad, or indifferent, but he made me the workaholic that I am. Yeah. Uh, I always like to work. Like I like to run and train and lift, yeah. practice, play. Um, but when I got to work in the deli, you know, making pizzas and sandwiches yeah. and wings and stocking and doing yeah. all that, and pulling 12-hour shifts, like, that was kind of when I knew that, like, this is just kind of who I am. Yeah. So I think that that would probably be it. Nice. Very cool. I think I'd be similar. I had some cool jobs that I could see myself still doing from a small town, you know, back in the day. Um, thanks for being on. This was an awesome podcast. So many good nuggets. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to contact you? I know you've got a lot of social media. Yeah. Twitter, uh, at C V A S P S. That's Charlie, Victor, Apple, Sam, Peter, Sam. Um, it's probably the easiest. We're on Instagram too. Uh, Central Virginia Sport Performance is on the Facebooks. Um, you can email me at cvasps at gmail.com. Um, I'm not always the quickest to reply, uh, but be patient. Eventually I sit down and smack myself in the face and say, get through it all. Um, but if you tweet at me, I usually feel like I have to reply as soon as possible. I yeah. don't know why. <laughs> right. I hate that notification <laughs> yeah, number. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it just drives me insane. Yeah, yeah that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, probably <laughs> tweeting at me there. And yeah. don't, like my, my personal one, I did that initially because I thought I had to have it to have the business one. Yeah. Um, I legitimately never look at it. Yeah. So though at J DeMeo one, I would not worry about that. CDA SPS is really the only one that I look at. Right. Great. Well, looking forward to hearing you speak tomorrow and, uh, and hanging out for the rest of the conference. Thanks again for being on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, appreciate you putting all the work into doing this and all the work into putting this thing together here. It's, uh, it's really fantastic, man. I mean, it's shooting you walk around and I, I literally walked out of the, exhibit hall and bumped into Nick Winkleman. Like yeah, literally yeah. bumped into Nick Winkleman. <laughs> nice. it's like, yeah, it's it's packed here. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> it's, and it's like packed with like unbelievable people. It's really, cool. really fantastic. Cool. So thank you guys for all you're doing. Thanks. Appreciate it. This was the NSCA's coaching podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.